Welcome to episode 198 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For the podcast this week, we're going to discuss bioprinting in all its various applications, from 3D printing bones to human organs and tissues and what those implications might be for design and science. So bioprinting is still very much at its nascent stages. Uh, Of course, we see a lot of uh, news about 3D printing of other types of materials, uh, especially in the healthcare space, that are farther along than than bioprinting. So uh, 3D printing and healthcare has a... Uh, pretty solid relationship, no pun intended. The uh, the healthcare space is just filled with opportunities uh, to create sort of better prosthetic limbs, better better parts that can be used to replace uh, uh, parts that wear out on the human body. And it, it's almost as if the uh, 3D printing uh, field is is made to to walk you know hand in hand with healthcare. Uh, in, in particular, uh, what's becoming exceptionally powerful is this, um, you know, creating from a CT scan or an MRI, uh, creating a, a 3D model that can then be printed out. So if uh, you are replacing part of, a, of your jaw or if you're, you know, replacing a part of your windpipe, say, uh, you can use, uh, you know, actual scans of your, your own body. Uh, that can be digitized and then and then created in in another material, uh, such as a plastic or or titanium or or what have you. So so that's the the non uh, biologic three D printing, uh, which is 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 a powerful uh, tool for for healthcare. But today we're we're going to dig in a little bit to you know living tissue, uh, which is. Uh, I think a fairly amazing that it's even possible that you could you could create living tissue cell by cell using uh, you know this this sort of uh, stacking not dissimilar from from uh, what a conventional three D printer um, um, might might use, but but also just looking back at 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 inkjet printing, which is sort of the in, inspiration for for this in fe- uh, this field in its entirety. Uh, just the idea that you could have instead of ink, instead of plastic coming out of these nozzles, you're you're going to have bio inks or or you know living cells that are getting put together into tissue. Yeah. So so that's sort of the on the most basic level that's that's what's happening. Uh, there are some early companies that are that are creating, uh, as you might imagine, you know, sort of these large machines for for creating the. Uh, bioprinting. It will be a while before we have our desktop bioprinters for, uh, you know, replacing uh, some lost part. Hopefully not. Um, but reproducing cells in in the lab, of course, has been done for for years and years. Yeah. Wh- whether it's uh, creating uh, skin tissue or blood vessels or or what have you. Um, what what three D bioprinting offers is this opportunity to create complex tissues uh, and and more complete. I won't say complete organs because uh, you know it's sort of unproven just yet. Uh, but that's the opportunity there, Dirk. You know, 
I know that was a, a wide-ranging preamble, but what are, what are, what's your take on, on uh, the advancements in bioprinting and how it, it really uh, has implications for the intersection of design and science? Yeah, you know, this isn't the first time we've talked about bioprinting over the years on this show, but in the past, um, it was a little bit of hand-waving, which is to say, um, you know, it's it sort of understood that we've been heading towards uh, you know, bioprinting a replacement heart as an example. Um, but it, it was in the future. It was something that wasn't necessarily clear from the standpoint of the science and technology to, from concept to the full realization. And we're reaching a point now where those, you know, the, at least at a hypothetical, at a prototype level, those dots now are being connected together. And even more than that, as you pointed out, the, the integration of living cells as well. So shifting from, um, you know, earlier when, when um, you know, bioprinting is, is a topic, it's more um, creating a part that's synthetic in the way that we understand, you know, artificial hearts and other synthetic parts in the past that are, are more mass created. Um, now, moving away from, from that as, as something of plastic or metal or, or some materials that we're familiar with in our everyday lives and moving to um, not just biological cells and matter, but actually using the cells of the recipient um, in, in the replacement parts in order to have those parts uh, be integrated more, more easily into the body, be accepted uh, by the host to, to, use, um, to use a slightly more formal language. And so that's, that's remarkable. Um, really remarkable because now now it's not concept now it's really close to um, reality albeit not at scale um, and a, a key sort of signifier for that is we're now seeing um, healthcare systems hospitals universities um, planning budgeting to have um, labs have buildings have organizations that are focused on the the fabrication of these kind of custom uh, you know custom replacement parts uh, based based in our own cells and our own DNA like money is being spent and um, infrastructure is being built to to realize these things not just with a couple of experimenters but from the standpoint of implementation at the level of of, of a hospital or, or healthcare system so that's that's a big deal I mean that's really going. Um, full out from oh here's a cool future thing that's coming to uh, this is this is something that's on the path to being real and we can see it from both a scientific and a business perspective. Yeah, it it does have some pretty substantial implications for the way healthcare is is practiced and and what I mean by that is. Um, so we're we're all familiar for, with going to the, the the car dealership or to the mechanic to have uh, routine maintenance done and and have uh, worn out parts replaced, you know, uh, on our vehicles as you know that that time has has come. Whether it's your spark plugs or your uh, um, your tires or you know uh, in, in in Massachusetts in particular you know I go through <laughs> sets of tires because they can't seem to fix the roads, but the the point is that it's for mechanical um, devices such as our automobiles it's it's regular part and parcel of maintenance to be replacing parts 
Um, and the logistics of getting those parts, you know, to us and into the vehicle, um, it's, it's fairly trivial, um, given that, you know, there's probably a global supply chain that, that, that creates the, uh, the tire for my, uh, for my SUV, but yeah. nonetheless, it's, it's fairly easy for me to do. Now, if you're replacing a part on your, on yourself, whether it's because you've had an injury or because of the wear and tear over time, this, this becomes a, um, a substantial blocker, I think, in, in the healthcare system. So, uh, you know, burn victims, uh, you know, could have, um, you know, trouble getting skin grafts, or if if you need a uh, a, a part replaced, like a joint, that can be uh, um, you know pretty pretty major undertaking. So, what three D printing, three uh, D uh, bioprinting uh, lays out for us is 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 a way in which uh, it's possible that we'd not only be able to get these these uh, parts, these organs, but also in an on-demand capacity. So if you're on an organ waiting list, of course, uh, you know, that can be many, many years long, uh, depending on, on what you're waiting for. Uh, what we're talking about in, in, a, in a designed future is a time when, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, still non-trivial to get a, a replacement organ, but it's fully possible to create that in an on-demand capacity. So it becomes closer to my journey, you know, over to the mechanic uh, rather than, you know, a, a, a drawn-out uh, uh, very stressful odyssey. Yeah, and lots yeah. of people die for not being able to get an organ replacement today. But that can largely go away, at least for certain organs, certainly. Sure, and 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 even in a sort of a nearer term future, uh, there's uh, sort of active study being given to uh, you know uh, creating uh, 3D uh, or bioprinted skin. Uh, so, so that you know, burn victims, soldiers on the on the battlefield. There's there's uh, um, there are injuries where time is of the essence in terms of you know creating that um, you know needing that skin right away. Uh, so so that you don't have the uh, scarification and you know other problems that come along with that over time. So uh, just being able to create that on demand, uh, I, I would think would have uh, some some pretty major. Uh, positive output for for people who are, have those kinds of injuries. Well, even beyond that, I mean, look, you know, design for disability has pushed forward a lot of fields around material science that have go beyond just servicing the disabled. Uh, these are technologies now that certainly the field of plastic surgery could use in cosmetic, um, you know, uh, ways for for folks who are, are looking to to change the way they look. Right. Yeah. There's there's all sorts of science fiction around uh, sort of very expansive body modification. I mean, we can see the natural human tendency to modify your body, whether it be uh, via tattoos or piercings or, or what have you. I'm sure that uh, being able to create uh, uh, tissues uh, sort of on demand might might lead to a, to another set of areas for artistic exploration, uh, to put it mildly. Absolutely. And I think, I think from like a social perspective, that is the part of all of this that has the, the potential to be really revolutionary, is ch changing the physical manifestation of self into something that is more totally similar to how we view clothing and accessories today. Um, 
you know, getting away from that, you know, this is who I am and how I am in some objective and fixed way and going to a more, a more mercurial um, uh, presentation of, of self and other. Yeah, the, the uh, uh, technology of bioprinting also has within its, um, uh, sort of within its reach, uh, the potential for enhancing other areas of science. So we use, um, you know, animals for, for testing various uh, pharmaceutical and uh, um, uh, other products that, that, that get animal tested. Um, how much more um, ethical and, and, and more sort of efficient if, if we have uh, human tissues that can be used in the testing regimen that would provide, you know, actual real feedback on a, you know, on, on what it would be for the human body versus, versus animal testing. And, and this tissue could be generated, uh, sort of, uh, almost in a manufacturing capacity. It, it wouldn't be necessarily from, you know, a, a living human, but rather generated via, via bioprinting. So there, there are implications for this technology across other sciences as well, uh, which, which, I, which I think is pretty significant. One, one thing that uh, this, this all makes me uh, realize as, as we discuss uh, bioprinting is there's, there's an aspect to this where, where nature is, is sort of taking its course um, and, and helping to create, you know, the tissues. Like, we, we don't quite know all of the um, uh, side effects, all of the um, outcomes that, that can come from, from bioprinting, unlike um, uh, a simple ink or, or uh, a, a simple uh, piece of plastic material where we know what the, the general outcome is going to be uh, from from uh, the creation that we're making, whether it's uh, a poster or you're you're, you're printing a, a form with your three D printer, we don't really know uh, the entirety of what printing cells is is going to to generate. We we have an idea of how tissues are going to uh, react, but at the same time, uh, this technology is also reliant on sort of leveraging natural processes. When, when the cells are next to each other, they, uh, they start changing, they start binding together, or, or there, there are natural processes that, that take place uh, that go beyond the simple placement of the cells in a particular order. Yeah. Uh, and this is true of, of most biotechnology. There's, there's a section of which is knowable and there's a section of which uh, we still have an awful lot to learn. Um, so suffice it to say, there's there's going to be a a bit of a gap there um, as as some of this starts uh, you know coming into play. Uh, but you know, very promising and and as far as as technologies go, pr- pretty exciting what the possibilities will be. Yeah, you mentioned testing as one thing, and, and something that strikes me about the progress of, of bioprinting technologies insofar as I'm able to see them as more of an enthusiast and less as an expert is sort of a lack of testing compared to other aspects of the healthcare system. You know, here in the United States, the regulatory body is called the FDA. And the FDA is sort of notorious um, from, from some people's perspective of having these long testing cycles before they approve things 
for general consumer use. And bioprinting um, is moving fast, and the the integration of different materials into the human body, um, the, the, the theories on how that could manifest are very broad that I'm reading so far, and I'm not seeing uh, time or rigor around testing at the level that the FDA would put pharmaceuticals through, for example. Now, that may just come later, right? That that may be a chunk that's going to slide in there, but I'm not hearing much about it. And I'm, I'm curious to see what happens on the regulatory side around this stuff, because so far it seems to be going um, going in a different, less regulated direction than, than a lot of other things um, in, in the healthcare system. Yeah, I think that's that's the way a lot of innovation starts out is, is somewhat in less regulated. Um, it's and, all fun and games till somebody dies, right? Right. Or, or until somebody realizes that it's, it's time to regulate whichever, whichever comes first. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 198 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>